0: and we're back welcome to print your games the podcast about what's new and awesome in 3d printing for gamers i'm your host jefferson J. thacker also known as param and i'm joined by Kristen Towards, also known as seventh mastery and this episode y'all i'm super excited i've been pumped about this ever since they approached us because y'all have been on my list of want to interviews since about the time we started putting this podcast together i'm Joined by our wonderful guest this time, Austin from the Dragon Trapper's Lodge. Hey, Austin!
1: How's it going? Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, Thank you for, for coming on
0: the show. We very much appreciate this. Now, if y'all don't know who dragon trappers lodge is you all need to go check them out they make some of the most characterful and awesome and inventive minis that is available for 3d printing space right now austin could you just give us a rundown of what you think dragon trappers lodge is
1: yeah we uh kind of what i tell people are tagline is is monsters that you won't find in the monster manual I just like making stuff that's unique and that you're not going to find anywhere else that's just sort of fun, and we know that as a DM, it can be hard to just homebrew stuff all the time for minis, and so we have stat blocks with everything to just throw all these weird, wacky stuff in your game to make it fun. Last month was like oozes versus mimics, and so we had a whole bunch of all sorts of different types of mimics and oozes, like Ballista mimics and Catapult mimics and stuff like that, and so stuff like that that's just fun and unique to Throwing a game. So the Ooze King was a free model last month. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say that's what we do. Fun monsters and cool characters, I guess.
0: You actually made me all super. Super happy because my favorite monster type has been on record for years as being slimes. And then to see, and, and nobody does slimes. I get a slime or two here or there. I get the occasional slime monster makes it into my feet every so often. And then to have this wonderfully crafted and slightly disgusting <laughs> slime set just drop on my doorstep. I was giddy. I was clapping. I was laughing. I was flooding Kristen with pictures. It was a grand time. <laughs>
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, it's surprising you don't see more. You're right. There's not like a ton, and I mean they're pretty easy to make compared to stuff like dragons and stuff. But yeah, they're fun.
0: Yeah, I, I do love also that it wasn't enough for you all to just do. Hey, we can do some amorphous puddles. You've got the slime king. You've got tons of little slimes. You've got an entire set worth of themed monsters versus mimics. The mimics part was also wonderful. Um, for those of you who uh, didn't catch the set. There was a windmill dragon. You all have a dragon in each of your sets, don't you?
1: Yeah, that's sort of like our thing. The Dragon Trapper's Lodge is like a lodge of fantasy trappers and hunters that basically hunt down dragons and deal with them. Whether if they're friendly, you know, negotiate with them if they're a problem, or you know, straight up trap and kill them if they need to, whatever it be. And so we try and do a dragon every single month that fits that theme. And yeah, last month we had a windmill that turned into a giant dragon mimic and uh it's very big but
0: very cool i'm very usually you all have like a terrain like you have a a terrain tier and a miniatures tiers like there's a lower tier that just gets you the minis and then a a, a slightly larger tier that gets you the minis and the terrain i bet the mimic made that a little bit more difficult didn't it (laughs) because Uh... all the mimics were also available as their furniture forms
1: yeah, we honestly, we're not like super stingy about it. You know, if something feels like it should be in the mini tier because it's kind of technically a mini, then we just will throw it in there. So yeah, um, usually what's in like the the real, because you have like the train tier, which is like just terrain, then you have one that's just minis, then you have one that's everything. And the one that's everything, we sweeten the deal by putting in like a big mobile lodge type thing every month, which is another mm-hmm. one of our trademarks is just like large you know, massive, gargantuan size. I mean, really, if you're an old school team, like colossal sized monstrosities that have, like, buildings and structures on their back. And so that's really what you get out of that third tier is like super huge cool. I mean, I don't know if you could see on my shelf behind me, but, like, there's a shelf of them up there on that top shelf of, like, the snail lodge and the bear and the boar stuff like that. Holy so
0: crap, those print massive. I've I've never like I've enjoyed your sets for a while now, but I've never had the gumption to try to go for the big lodges because I was like, man, I'm gonna make my printer cry. Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen, seen a lot anyway. of the
2: dragons printed, but they're 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 pretty big too. But I hadn't actually seen any of the the bigger
0: lodges. Yeah. All right. So before we dive dive too much deeper down this rabbit hole of just gushing over the cool minis and models you all make, why don't you talk a little bit about how you got started in the game industry to begin with? Like, you know, what got you into even caring about slime monsters and windmill mimics?
1: Right. Um, well, I started playing D and D in high school. I had a we had a friend that introduced us to it and sort of taught us how to play. It was honestly probably not the best introduction the way he taught it to us, Uh-oh. but we we pushed past that and sort of learned to love the game more just because of, it was still fun you know and uh i'm by trade was a concept artist uh i worked you know i worked at some animation studios doing stuff and uh you know freelance and teaching courses online on how to digitally paint do characters and stuff like that and uh yeah i just love playing play dnd i was gotten a 3d printer and was printing a lot of miniatures and buying a lot of stuff for D &D. and i was like man i spent a lot of time on this and it's pretty expensive i should figure out how to make this tax deductible (laughs) and uh my my big thing is i love dragons i love monsters that's really what i love to make the most is creatures and stuff like that And I'm a really big stickler, not to throw shade at my fellow creators, because I'm a big fan of a lot of people out there. But my big thing that always drives me crazy is when I would see dragons, the wings would always not look anatomically correct. They would always look sort of goofy and cartoony to me. And that, as a personal pet peeve, as an artist, just always drove me crazy. And I thought to myself, you know, if I started making dragon minis, I bet I could do an awesome job. Like, I can make dragon minis that don't look like anything else out there right now. Um, and then, of course, Lord of the Print came along and showed me up. And they're like, we'll show you anatomically correct <laughs> <dragons."> But <Right. laughs> um, yeah, that's basically how it started. And the, I, when I very first started, so I'm a 2D concept artist by trade. And when I started, I was like, well, I'll just sort of teach myself 3D modeling. You know, uh, I'm pretty creative. I think I can pick it up. And so I started and then realized this is going to take pretty long while till I get to a point where I'm fast enough and good enough to do what I'm envisioning. So instead, I just took uh, a bunch of the money that I had earned from my online courses and started Dragon Trapper's Lodge, hired some sculptors, um, hired a social media manager. Um, and then we just slowly grew from there and started at the beginning, it was just me doing all the concept art myself and designing everything, coming up with it. And then working as art director with the the few sculptors I had hired, um, to start making models. And then, yeah, we just kept going. And now we have... Uh, a handful more concept artists um so i don't have to do it all myself especially since in the beginning we were only doing like you know five models a month and now we're doing like 30 or 40 models a month and so it just it was it was it was basically like a piece of concept art a day every single day non-stop and it was just it was too much it was too crazy so had to hire some more help but it's been good
0: this is something I definitely wanted to chat with you about. It was top of my list. Is I usually divide up uh, the the miniature creators out there into two tiers. There is the oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting this many models tier, and then there's what I call the boutique tier, where I'm only going to get a handful of models, but they're going to be glorious. They're going to be and like. Twin goddess is like a one I like to point out when I talk about that. I'm only gonna get five or six minis, yeah. but they're gonna be like nothing else out there. And yeah. for a while, I, like I had you mode. in or cobra mode, yeah. Cobra and yes, I that had example. you, and I would always bring you up in that tier or dragon's trapper's lodge. You're gonna get this cool freaking dragon and some adventurers, <laughs> but it's gonna be the coolest freaking dragon you're gonna get that month. And, and then there so were suddenly a, more minis. Yeah, How oh, more did, minis. <laughs> you were already killing it with the boutique model. What made you all decide to pump up the volume?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> just sheer entrepreneurial spirit, I guess. We just were looking at like, okay, how can we, you know, expand? How can we keep growing and compete with some of these other creators that have, you know, a lot of patrons? And uh, one of the things we were looking at is like, well, we could increase our release size, and you know, we were looking at how are they sculpting this many models a month and making it affordable and just looking at some of our competitors the main thing i realized is like they're sculpting the same before what you're referring to before when we didn't have as many it was like a smaller collection than more you know honed in uh like maybe like 13 14 models a month at that time and like i mentioned now we're doing like 30 to 40 and we were looking at our competitors and realizing what they were doing is they were creating iterations and variations of models that they were creating for that month, so like multiple poses, armored versions, non-armored versions, you know, uh, sort of just like expanding on the base models they were creating. And when we counted how many of like the base model they had for each month, it was the exact same we had, which was like 13 or 14 models every month that they were creating and then expanding on. And we were like, well, we should be doing that because, you know, to to sculpt a dragon, you know, might cost a certain amount of money. But to take the already sculpted dragon and make three more poses out of it, that's only like a tenth of the price, right? Like it's way cheaper to get, you know, three models out of a single dragon than just getting one. And so that's basically what we did is we just tried to get really inventive and creative with, okay, how far can we stretch a design to create variations and iterations, right? So if we're going to make like uh, a Kitsune let's use that base Kitsune model sculpt and make, you know, three different armor sets slash characters out of that. Or like these Gator folk, you know, if we're going to make Gator folk, let's make multiple, you know? So that's really what we ended up doing. And then just as the patron grew, we were able to expand our budget a little bit and just refine our process. I didn't have any background doing three modeling. So there was a really steep learning curve when we started and, I didn't know a ton of, like, I knew what I wanted things to look like. and I knew how to provide good art direction. But as far as like the technical aspect, I wasn't as experienced. So there's a pretty steep learning curve. And part of that was finding sculptors who knew how to sculpt for 3D printing. Because when we first started, we found some really talented sculptors, but they weren't necessarily adept at sculpting for printing. And I didn't really know how to tell them otherwise. And so at the beginning, things were kind of difficult and wonky, you know, and we sort of honed it as we went. And along with that was also finding sculptors who were fast and could sculpt at the level we needed without breaking the bank. Because, you know, some of the sculptors when we first started were extremely talented. But what our sculpting is, budget is now, it would be like a third of the sculpting budget for one model, um, which just is totally not feasible, you know. So um, Yeah, that's sort of the gist of it. Is we just like let's create some iterations of what we have and see how far we can stretch it, and that's how we started doing more. So, well,
0: it's awesome. And there is like, there's also like some utility. Like, obviously for like the war gamers, they want like the billion poses because they don't need two gator folk; they need thirty gator folk. Uh, And like the the rule in war gaming uh, circles is you need at least three different poses to kind of fake that they're not all the same dude. Um, But even as a game master, I appreciate having a bunch of different poses just so that it's like, I'm going to attack the orc, which orc, the one that's playing the spoons, but you have like, the (laughs) Man was awesome. Actually just, that was a cool set.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. It's nice to have a little bit of a horrid feel, you know, and have them be sort of unique. Um, And yeah, we, I'm not a huge war gamer. I, I have my own little Seraphon army that I printed for uh, for Age of Sigmar uh, from Lost Kingdom. They have super cool, like, Seraphon proxies. And but I like to, you know, throw a bone out to the war gamers out there, even though if that's not like our main gist. So I think they'll like the December set we have coming up because it's sort of themed with Dragonlance book that's coming out. Oh, nice. um, and it's Called the Dragon's War, um, and we tried to make it a little bit more war gamer friendly with increasing the number <laughs> of models in a unit and making them feel more like Warhammer units, and then throwing our hero characters in there and stuff like that. So I think that's I'm pretty excited for that set. It's sort of out there, but our more out there sets actually tend to be pretty popular. It's out there in the sense that uh, I had heard an interview with the creator of Dragon Lancer, one of the new writers I hired to revamp it for 5th edition and he was talking about how they drew a lot of inspiration from World War 2 era uh, stories and movies you know, like Saving Private Ryan and I was like man it would be really cool if we made a fantasy set where the characters were like fantasy World War 2 soldiers and like their armor and their clothing was sort of like reminiscent of World War 2 and they had like Artificer style guns, you know, mm. and so that's gonna be the set. Is it's like dragons with like, Gatling guns on them and like <laughs> siege dragons, like big behemoths with like tank barrels on their backs and stuff like that. And we're gonna make sure because there's always people who are like, "Oh, that doesn't really fit in my game." So we use, whenever we do stuff like that, we'll also include variants that just have like crossbows and more fantasy type machinery but right I'm Gatling excited cross for crossbows
2: <laughs> big magical <laughs> crystals that shoot lightning instead
1: i'm excited for that oh. one just cuz dragons on guns or guns on dragons that's just i don't know i think it's awesome so i'm excited mm-hmm. for that one
0: i mean like lasers on dinosaurs has been a classic for ages exactly it's
2: yeah.
0: old school Yeah. yeah and you do you all you all definitely aim for the unique I, i've been showing off uh, some of your models some for some of our visual uh from people watching the youtube or the the live stream and like you definitely like you don't just do cool dragon you mentioned lord of the print they do really awesome dragons we love lord of the print stuff um but they're awesome traditional dragons they're stuff i expect to see on the Elmore painting You did moss dragons, you did a mimic dragon, you've got a crocodile dragon, like your dragons, mushroom dragon. Uh, your dragons are nothing like, like you said, I'm not going to find these in the monster manual. A lot of uh, people that we've talked to think that that's a risk, but you all have kind of embraced models that are completely unique instead of just like doing the, the easy thing of here's another goblin set. Here's another black dragon with horns.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it It is a little bit of a risk. And I mean, there's months where we're like, this is pretty out there. Like, is this one going to work? Is this going to be the one where we flop? But we've done some things to try and sort of mitigate that one. Like I mentioned, is sort of, I try no matter what set I make, make sure that there's something for everybody as best I can um because we put it up to a vote every month for our patrons so we give them four options and we say okay which one do you want to see the most so that one hopefully we're honing in on what's going to actually be the most popular and people actually want to see because sometimes what the creator wants to make really bad isn't always what's going to do well and what other people are interested in right so right. sort of meet in the middle ground by being like hey here's four options that we think are really cool which one do you want to see the most and doing so hopefully hone it in but um so that the people who didn't vote for that one that won i always try to make sure like okay what's something that like even someone who wasn't excited about this theme if they even just had this one model they could use it outside the theme and it would still be like fun and useful and they could have a use for it so that's what i try and aim for and i think it's kind of just become like our niche and our trademark to make these sort of fun charming i i like to say that they're charming i try and find a lot of charm in the models because i feel like if I can make models that when someone sees it, especially like a DM, I want them to see our models and think that's so awesome. I, I have to print that. I have to have that. It's so cool. It's so fun. Uh, a good ex- I actually have some on my desk. A good example of that would be like the, uh, the pumpkin. Um, that's like the pumpkin beholder, yeah, you know, yeah. just making stuff where it's like, you just feel like I just got to, I got to print that. It's so fun, you know? So, sets where it's like more generic you know and we've put the polls up in the options you know like hey this set's gonna be like generic D, elves dwarves wizards rogues you know always the worst performing result every time so <laughs> yeah we'll stick so. with what we like doing which is fun and yeah weird stuff so well, i
2: sorry you, you read I like. the, sorry <laughs> go ahead baron
0: which I like about your community because I've, I've seen these like polls go up and like, I'm like a member of like 13 other Patreons and stuff. And like, I often see it's just the bread and butter. Like it's goblins again, it's orcs. Oh, we're going to do vampires. It's the same ones keep winning. And often it'll be the same ones keep winning across seven of my Patreons. And if I'm not into that theme, I'm like, I really don't need more. I really don't need more orcs guys, (laughs) but your community goes for it. I don't know what's unique about your community that they just go for the cool, wild stuff that I I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I think think that's just the sort of people we attract because, yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, Mm -hmm. orcs are cool and goblins are cool and, you know, all that stuff. But I kind of feel like I don't know what more we're going to add to what's already out there. You know, there's tons of super awesome orc models out there is going to be so much better that it's going to be anything new like i'd rather make stuff that doesn't exist that only dragon trevor's lodge has that you can't find anywhere else instead of like you said adding the 100th orc set <laughs> to the printing community so
2: i was just going to point out you had a really good balance i mean you're talking about how they're kind of uh, charming and i think that's a good word because like I, th- I know a lot of people like i love twin goddess and adam does awesome work but sometimes like i'm like wow i want something that's a little like You know, that's, I want a monster or something. And like, you run that balance between charming, you know, kind of cute, kind of endearing, but also still have some stuff that's creepy and freaky or, or scary, or I'm going to put on the, I'm putting on the board and someone's going to like suddenly jump back and be like, whoa, what's that? Like that dragon breathing the ghost flame and everything
1: is just killer from last year's Halloween set. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you. Yeah. More cards the big yeah. ghost dragon yeah i love that one it's very mm-hmm. scary it's such a cool
0: model and dusky the dino puncher is in chat saying that it's all because we are all crazy and want more glow hoppers what, the, <laughs> what the, can you please tell me what a glow hopper is
1: yeah so a glow hopper is a creature that we created a pretty i don't think uh, actually let me grab one really quick i have one on the shelf
2: Yeah, that's the glow hopper. And and Dusky I, has a very special connection to glow hoppers, but when when I love he shows that. his eyes so, yeah. so much.
1: Oh, you got you pulled some up right there. Yeah. So but those are glow hoppers. One. Go ahead. We pulled we created these a while back um in our first sort of swamp theme set we did. And they were just sort of these little creatures that live in the swamps that have like these glowing antenna lures you know to catch bugs mm-hmm. and stuff like that and we just in the lore had them be sort of these friendly creatures that were known to lead adventurers that were lost you know to safety and stuff like that sort of like you know like dolphins helping out surfers that was like our glow hoppers and yeah they were just pretty popular people were printing like a ton of them like probably more than any other <laughs> model we made people just went were printing a lot of them and then when we did another swamp set recently this year I designed the alpha glow hopper which is like the big one we only had the small ones at first and so i made a sort of like the big big chonky boy and once again they were like super popular we re-released the old ones with the new set and uh yeah they were a huge hit and so uh we started doing recently a collectible glow hopper every month with every set where you you can't get it on my mini factory afterwards you can get on tribes but like it's not going to be available for sale the only way you can get them is if you're a patron that month it's released and it's just a glow hopper that fits that theme so like our uh the one for this month which was like halloween themed just had like a little witch's hat and like a little pentagram medallion (laughs) and the one for next month is gonna have is like a cyborg because it's uh uh, sort of spell set, so he has like mechanical arm and leg and stuff like that. And the month after that is going to be like a dragon one for you know the dragon set. So that's what glow hoppers are. And yeah, Dusky commissioned us to design some glow hoppers for his wedding, so we did. Oh some wow! Hoppers that are uh, one of them has like a little top hat and a bow tie, and the other one has like a little veil and pearl necklace, and they were super cute. So Dusky's like our. One of our Glowhopper fanatics, but <laughs> yeah, that's what yeah, Glowhopper is. Right?
0: So, that's a weird thing. Uh, you do commissions for some of your customers,
1: yeah? So, we offer custom models for people who, uh, you know, have that perfect monster in mind, you know, where they're just they. You know, they're doing their campaign for three years. They're ready for that big, bad, evil monster at the end. And they just want the perfect custom unique mini. We'll work with them. We'll get the concept art made. If they don't have any yet, they can just give us a description. And we'll design some art like we do for our own models. And then once they approve it, get it sent to the sculptors. And then depending on what they're looking for, we can either just send them the file. And, you know, we'll get it pre-supported for them like the rest of them. And they can uh, paint it themselves. Or we can have one of our painters paint it. Uh, and just have it shipped so it's pretty expensive because i mean it's a lot of work to sculpt a model but if you're like hey i got some cash to blow and i want to like really you know be the ultimate dm and just have some crazy monster you know we can make pretty much anything you can think of we just tend to try and stay away from just like straight up doing like uh other ip like if you want like an anime character or like a movie character and stuff like that we don't really do that stuff, but if you want it like inspired by that, you know, we can totally do that. But yeah, so Dusky was one of our people and he just wanted an existing glow hopper just to update it for his wedding. So it was we we're like, Yeah, that's easy, let's do it. So and they turned out nice. good. They're fun. That I actually awesome. sent you a
2: picture for it. Param- it's in your messenger if you want to grab it. Oh, right. sorry.
0: So <clears> while <throat> we mentioned that, you mentioned that your your tagline is these aren't going to be any monster manuals, but do you have a monster manual with these monsters in it, or am I forced to make these stats myself?
1: So we do release stats every month um, for everything we make. Uh, so like like I mentioned, you can just drop them in your game. Yeah, there's the uh, there's the wedding glow hoppers. So um, awesome. <laughs> we do make stats every month. Um, As far as being compiled in a book, we do not have that yet. We plan to do a Kickstarter in the future where we compile everything and the few models that we haven't done stats for yet, um, like loyalty models and stuff like that, as well as expand it with new models when we release it and sort of flush out to make a nice, big, thick sort of, you know, monster manual for the world of Dragon Trappers. But that's a ways down the road. The The next sort of... As far as stats and lore expansion that we're coming out with is gonna be our first campaign setting and that's currently being play tested right now by some of our patrons who signed up. Um and that will be a whole campaign setting within the world of the Dragon Trapper's Lodge. It's not specifically about the Dragon Trapper's Lodge, but just simply is the setting that the Dragon Trappers Lodge is located in one of the the regions of our world. So that's sort of the next iteration. Uh But at some point, yeah, we'll be compiling sort of like a Dragon Trapper's compendium of all the weird, wacky beasts that live in this world that the Dragon Trappers have to hunt down and deal with for people. So
2: So that sounds like some serious Dungeon Master stuff. But earlier you mentioned you had a terrible Dungeon Master as your introduction. Can you tell us why it was bad and, and what you learned from it that helped you create a world so unique?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say... It wasn't necessarily that he was a terrible dungeon master. He just had a very specific way of what he thought was a good D&D session and, like, Uh. way to play. And so, like, when when he introduced us to D&D, he was, like, uh, he would go through, he was going through, like, the the classes and explaining us to what they were, right? And he would be, like, bard, they're not really good. They don't really do anything. (laughs) And then we'd be, like, okay. And then he'd be, like, cleric uh they're like thor and we'd be like okay and then he'd be like uh like th- those sort of explanations you know and that was our first introduction so we we're just like okay bard suck got it next like so he had like a very sort of like
2: player baked in perspective on it kind
1: and- of yeah like it was just yeah. like here's his perspective and then it was very like a uh, hack and slash so like when we, it's the first campaign we ever played in, right? He, we went through all the classes and I, I, when I saw the Druid, I was like, oh, I got to play a Druid. That's super cool. We were playing 3.5. And so I was like, man, mm-hmm. an animal companion being able to turn into animals and like do all these cool spells. And like, that sounds awesome. So I was a Druid. Um, however, and I built my character all around, you know, nature and trees and stuff like that. But he wouldn't tell us what the campaign was going to be about. He's like, it's a secret. And then it was the whole campaign was straight Underdark. He had like a map that was like this big that was like the Underdark. And the whole entire campaign was just about being in the Underdark. And uh, my druid was almost useless. (laughs) There was no plants down there. uh, Very little for me to interact with. And I mean, now that I'm more experienced, I know I could have probably found some other uh, ways to be useful as a druid underground. But my perception of what a druid was and what had been explained to me is like, you're like a nature guy, you know, you're, you know, out in the trees and stuff. And so it was just like, meh, you know, it was very much, there was almost actually literally no story and no character development or anything like that. It was just really just like, you go in here and you're going to kill everything I throw at you sort of thing, which it was still fun enough for us to be like, let's, let's do it. So, uh, later in life, that guy ended up becoming my roommate and, uh, Ended up like you he, he like was like he, it was crazy. He tried he wanted wanted to like murder me and stuff. It was insane. He got institutionalized. Oh, wow. I got out of there. So despite everything fighting against me, that's how great of a game I think D D is. That I was still like I don't care about all that. <laughs> game's awesome.
2: <laughs> After that onboarding experience, you were still down for it. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's yep. impressive.
0: I was expecting pretty much standard. Tell me about your campaign talk, not a Dateline special.
1: <laughs> yeah so
2: so it sounds like now you're playing 5e is that correct
1: yeah i was pretty reluctant to switch i was like you know we had just played 3.5 for so long i didn't even bother with fourth edition because i heard bad things about it and uh fifth edition when it came out i kind of glanced at it when it first came out and i was like "Puh." Garbage. No prestige classes? What is this for babies, you know? And I was just like, no, thank you. I'll take my numbers and calculators and breaking the game, you know? Um, but I eventually, because we were making our own campaign setting, we were making it for 3.5 and sort of reluctantly we were like, dude, if we're going to sell this to anybody, we got to do it in fifth edition. Like we just got to suck it up and do it. And so started playing in fifth edition, learning more about it. And then it wasn't too long before I was like, okay, yeah, this is better. Fifth edition is definitely the way to go. I think, um, at least for our play group. So, um, well, I don't remember your question. was that? What did you ask me?
2: Your, uh, your answer it. You're good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Going just, off on just, tangent. Yeah, no, you're, 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 it's funny. We have very similar experiences. And, and I think, you know, both Param and I probably, had a slight detour from three five through Pathfinder first edition. But then, you know, both of us have been playing some five e in addition to that lately. So.
1: Yeah. I started getting curious about Pathfinder when we were doing 3.5, but then I ended up starting doing fifth edition and then I just never went down that road, but Pathfinder always looked interesting. I was always curious. So. Very cool.
0: I'm curious what your team looks like. So what does the dragon trappers team look like? Or is it just you so or are you just carrying this whole thing?
1: No, I mean, at the beginning, it was kind of like that was me and just like a few sculptors, um but we ended up growing pretty quickly and doing well um at the beginning, as like a side tangent, it was just me for the most part, and so, like to get it going, I was like, I knew I need to spread this out there, I need to get awareness so like when I launched the Patreon, I was sharing it everywhere I could, uh. And then I was messaging every single Etsy seller I could find that was selling (laughs) miniatures, like hundreds. I'm not even kidding you. Hundreds of Etsy sellers and being like, Hey, my name's Austin. I just started a new Patreon. Here's the link to it. I have an early bird tier for a merchant. Would you like to join? And maybe like 5% of those people joined, but that was like my first like 30 merchants and you know, merchant tier is like 20, 25 bucks for my early bird. That was like a couple hundred dollars my first month. And that was enough to be like, all right, let's do this. And, you know, sort of snowblot from there. But as we got bigger uh, and we increased the model size, um, I brought on my best friend, Drew. He started, I hired him to do social media marketing. And eventually he became a partner of the company, a uh, part-time part owner. Um, and then we brought on Marcus, who uh, Drew is no longer with the company. He left on good terms and stuff, but he just went on to do other things. Um, so now it's me and Marcus. We both, own the company. Marcus does all sort of like the finance stuff, like the, you know, making sure our sculptors and artists and everyone gets paid um, and managing like our budget. And then I'm the creative director. So designing models every month, coming up with the themes and what we're going to do, making sure the renders get made, all of that, you know, all that stuff. Um, And then Mitch is our product manager. He sort of runs the community sort of kind of like what you, what you do, Param. Uh, Mitch sort of runs a community. He is responsible for making sure the models get uploaded, excuse me, uploaded correctly. Um, and That's not
0: easy. That is not as is easy, not easy as it sounds. Especially, <laughs> yeah, with, it's, uh, yeah, especially <laughs> with my manufacturer
1: lately. Yeah, especially with my manufacturer, as going say, especially uh, when you have websites uh, that don't always work the way they're supposed to. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Mitch does all of that stuff and managing things like this. He set up this whole introduction between the two of us and cross motion so that's mitch's role and then we have uh aaron who runs the social media uh he does all that stuff he said the tiktok i do the tiktok just because i have experience with it from like i said my uh i have i make online courses on digital painting and so i had done tiktok and youtube and stuff like that to garner attention so i've been running the tiktok he runs you know so instagram facebook everything else um and then we have a whole team of artists and sculptors so um we have kind of depends cause we have a lot of contractors. So like month to month, like some might be busy a certain month. Um, and so we don't work with the same every single month, but usually it's roughly the same about like seven sculptors, six to seven sculptors every month. Um, and, and then like me and one other concept artist for the most part, um, Sometimes with months that are busy, where we have where we're just behind, I'll work with some other contractors to get some art done. Um, or David Nord, who's sort of a friend of the of the company, he designed our Skyback Lodge, which is like a massive whale with a building on its back that flies. It's not released yet, but we're working on it. He designed that, and we'll work with him sometimes, but only sometimes because he is very, 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 very good, but very, 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 very expensive. So. <laughs> worth every penny though
0: that's awesome and do you see the company continuing to grow or are you happy yeah with where so,
1: <laughs> so we definitely would like to continue growing while we are doing pretty good and we make a good i mean we make a decent amount of money every month right now um I mean, a good number of our sculptors who are doing a lot of models every month are making more money than I am from this thing. I'm not making a whole lot right now. Um, mostly living off of all the money I make from my online courses and I would like it to get to the point where I am living off of this considering I do, you know, all my full-time work is working on dragon trap, which I love. I, I love doing this. It's the best job ever. Um, but I would like to make more money from it. Um, so yeah, we plan to continue to grow. It's trending upwards. Uh, it's doing pretty good, um, especially with the convention we just ran and stuff like that. Finding ways to improve. We have some cool stuff I think planned in the future. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to keep growing and uh, you know doing stuff like this, as well as working with you know YouTube content creators and stuff like that to just get our name out there more. I think. I think one thing that sets apart some of the bigger, you know, sort of like business talk type stuff. One of the things that I think from what I've observed that sets apart some of the really big creators, like Loot Studios, Archmeldon Games, um, one page rules, you know, um, is you guys just do a lot more marketing and really set aside a substantial amount of money to run towards ads and sponsored videos and stuff like that. And so that's what we're going to follow in the footsteps of and, and really try and get, Dragon Trapper's name out there and in front of people because I think that's honestly the biggest reason we don't have more patrons isn't because we don't have something good to offer because we have great value and I think our models are really great. I think we just need to get out there to more people so people know about us because if you're really hard into the community, you kind of have tabs on all the creators out there, you know, even the smaller ones, you know, like you are aware of them. You see their stuff everywhere. Right. And so I just, sometimes you assume that like, yeah, everyone who's into 3D printing also is the same way. But unless you're like really into it, there's a lot of people who are just sort of casually invested in it. And they're like, I've never even heard of you. Like there's a ton of people at FanX who were like, yeah, I 3D print D&D miniatures all the time. I have tons of them. I've never heard of you. And in my head, I was like, wow. man, we are doing... We need to be doing way better job marketing if there's people who are in our niche who are, you know, pretty heavily invested in. They don't even know who we are. To me, that just tells me like, okay, there's definitely a market for us to grow. We just got to get out in front of those people more. So that's our that's a strategy next. And hopefully we do grow. Right.
0: And that, that really is tragic because, you know, just straight honesty here. I think that your team is producing like in the top 10 of quality And value uh, available in the industry right now, Um, y'all are killing it.
2: Well, in such a consistent vibe, and like like it feels like a persistent world. There's some lore there. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of like Lala creators we have on here, and they're just kind of slapping together lore every month. And like, I'm it's not not an offense to them, you know, just just how they operate because that's not their focus. But it Mm -hmm. literally feels like there's a story going on in in every set, and that it's evolving. And I think you know people will really bite into that if you can get that, that next kind of awareness chunk in their minds, you know? Right. There,
0: there are, there are creators that give me what I need for my games every month. And then there are creators like you who make me need to have an excuse to use their models because they're that (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Like I'm not going to like my players are going to run into the hand house. I don't know when, (laughs) I don't know how, but the handhouses that show up now.
1: Yep, that's our goal is to make those models you didn't know you needed until you saw them and then you're like, I I got to have that. That's got to be in my game. So, I appreciate it. That's a great compliment. Thank you.
0: So, what do you think about the industry of th- uh, the, the 3D printing industry and how it's grown the last couple of years? Like do you th- and how do you think it's going to really continue to change the gaming market going forward?
1: Yeah, that's a good question i think i mean when we started we've been going for about three years now and when we started there was not nearly as many creators as there were now um i think we got in at a good time i don't know if dragon Travers Lodge would be as big as it is now if we had started like a year or two later because i see creators out there that honestly i see some of their models i'm like dang those are better than some of the ones we made this month but they they're just so saturated now it's a lot harder to like really get a foothold i think um <clears throat> And so, one, I think it's really saturated now. There are a lot of creators making miniatures, and especially, like you said, making a lot of the same stuff, orcs, knights, goblins, you know, stuff like that. Um, And so I don't know if it's going to sort of, like, burst a little bit and maybe, like, come back down to where there's not as many or if it's just going to keep going. Because, I mean, you can only have... There's only so many models you can really print, you know, or need before you're just, like... I got everything I need. Like, I don't really need to keep going, you know? Um, So I don't know. Maybe it will come back down. I think D&D seems to be getting more and more popular as a whole and printers are getting better and better quality and more and more user-friendly and less and less, you know, that you need to tinker with them and do all this work to even get something decent. They're getting easier to use. uh, And I'm guessing they'll probably become cheaper, you know, in the long run. So, just say as a creator it's definitely saturated and you really have to fight which personally I'm I'm okay with. I think the competition really pushes the market to make better and better stuff and better offerings and cooler things and you know I like it. I feel like it really pushes us to you know when I see uh models from some of our competitors, you know, like uh I really like bite the bullet when I see the stuff they put out and I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, we gotta up our game. Like they're doing some great work. Like we gotta We got to match that, you know, like really push the envelope on creativity and quality and you know stuff like that. So I support it. I'm here for it. Hopefully it keeps growing and continues to get bigger. We're pretty excited for like the D&D movie coming out. I think that's going to give D&D as a whole a huge, uh, a huge boost. And so hopefully we can have some more offerings for physical models up and ready to go on things like Only Given stuff by the time that comes around to really capitalize on it. But yeah that's what I think we'll see what happens
0: one of the things you mentioned earlier was like um, uh, one of the sets you had coming up uh, later and being able to pivot on hey this cool idea came out and you're able to have like you say you're like taking uh, polls of what sets you're going to do about uh, like a month ahead of time or two months ahead of time Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in tra- traditional manufacturing, like when I've worked with like traditional publishing companies, that's like a year, a two years, right. like eight, six months, 18 months, it would not be abnormal for a new line of miniatures to show up and you're able to do it in a month. Um, so like, I'm like, when you looked at, for instance, when the D and D trailer dropped and then a the slew of awesome owl bears hit that very month or, <laughs> When right. a, when, uh, uh, when Games Workshop announces space dwarves are coming back, and then like I'm flooded with space dwarf models months before GW's right. dwarves even hit the shelf.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: It's a wild industry right now. Well, I thought you asked for Sorry, go ahead. You're-
1: uh, I was just going to say, yeah, it's sort of, you know, when you're competing with big companies like, you know, WizKids or uh you know, games workshop, you really have to leverage what strengths you do have as a small company, and one of them is that one you can kind of explore the niche of things you don't have to you can take bigger risks you know, because you don't have such huge company riding on it, but two is that yeah, you could be way more nimble and you know come up with ideas and get them out and produced a lot quicker and you kind of have to right like it sometimes it feels almost like breakneck how fast we have to go because like you mentioned we, we run the poll, and then we have one month to do all the concept art, and then another month after that to do all the sculpting, and then the set is live, um, which is, it might seem like a long time to someone who's no, not in the production side things, time. but for like 30 to 40 models, it's it's insanity sometimes at how fast we have to go to get things out. Uh, and yeah, that's not done... on top of like, you know, if we're doing conventions or any other side projects, Kickstarter, stuff like that, so... <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've done art direction before, and just even getting the turnaround of concept art to you know first render to final in that time frame—that is tight. That is yeah. spooky tight. So yeah. good on you for keeping it up. Yeah. You, you mentioned that yeah. you had another spelljammer set coming out because I thought your Astral Lodge was kind of your spelljammer set. So there's more.
1: Oh yeah. Okay. So Astral Lodge was sort of like our Lovecraftian horror set. Yeah, is what that but- was supposed to be. Sure. Our Spelljammer set, it's called Journey Through the Astral Sea. Because, I mean, let us let me set the record straight. Not Spelljammer. Nothing like it. Totally unique. Um, <laughs> yeah, Journey, yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. Journey, so, Journey <laughs> Through the Astral Sea is sort of our take on Spelljammer. And we sort of flavored it with some heavy inspirations from Treasure Planet. The uh, oh, anime nice. movie by Disney. Mm. So, it's sort of like pirates in space. Uh, is our take. And it's coming out next month. We were a little bit behind the curve because I was like, eh, are we going to do anything for it? But it was just like super popular and people were like, please, please do it. And we're like, okay, we'll make it. So ours is coming out next month and I am pretty excited. I mean, I'm excited for every set that comes out because I'm always like, it's going to be so cool. But yeah, this one has like a whole pirate crew of like, we got a bunch of like hippo folk or like basically GIF with you know alternate versions. So you can make them rhino folk or elephant folk. So we have like a much wider range. We have like bug people. We have monkey people. We have uh, more ooze people. We have like a ooze captain with like a little, you know, uh, French captain's hat and like little shoulder pads with the tassels hanging off and fun stuff like that. We have uh, like astral elves. We have people on hoverboards. But the thing that I'm super excited about is that we have a two scale uh, space whale. We also make really big models quite often. And I've seen people make space whales, but they're all, like, maybe, like, this big. But in the book, it says they're 80 feet long. So we made ours accurate to D&D scale. It's, like, this big. So it's going to be a two-scale space whale. And then the big thing we're making is we're making several, sort of, like, spaceships, like, spelljammer ships. And one of them called the Indignitary, which is uh, basically, you know, lovable pirates of the lodge sent out to space is going to be about four feet long with, you know, playable layers um interiors and stuff like that oh, it's gonna be Four feet. very very big and awesome so yeah that's our that's our actual spell jammer set that's coming out next month so okay need they need to fix that because i was only on
2: terrain tier last month and i missed i missed some of the minis last time so like now i've got to get get upgraded
0: again
1: <laughs> yeah it's gonna be good so-
0: Let's talk a little bit about this month's set. Because me and Kristen had a little bit of a a chat a couple episodes back. Like Halloween's coming. Brace for the vampires and the zombies. Y'all didn't bring me vampires. You you brought me a little (laughs) bit of zombies. But uh, you all have a really cool Halloween set. Can you tell a little bit about it and why the pumpkins have jack-o'-lantern cannons?
1: Yeah. (laughs) So uh has just done really well for us our sort of weird vibe just jams really well with people who like halloween um you know more classic halloween like spooky you know instead of like you know like you said vampires and werewolves sort of thing and uh so this year last year we you know we had the pumpkin and some other stuff and this year we put up the poll and i put some options you know i put werewolves versus vampires i put zombie apocalypse I put, uh, like, uh, sort of like a Harvest Horror theme. And then the last option, which was sort of a Hail Mary that I thought would be the most fun to do, but I was like, this might be too weird. Like, it's going to be way too out there. And I didn't even know what to call it. So in the poll, I just put Halloween Weird World. And I was basically like, this set exactly what it would be, but it would be sort of just weird, spooky Halloween-inspired, like, a mix of, like, uh nightmare before christmas vibes adam's family vibes uh young frankenstein just sort of like a fun weird halloween set beetlejuice feel you know and i was like Mm -hmm. that's all i can tell you about it i don't know exactly what's going to be in it but that's what we're going to aim for if this one wins and everyone picked that one no one cared about werewolves or vampires or zombies they were like (laughs) that one whatever that is that's what we want and so, yeah, that's what we made. And uh, for those of you who aren't patrons, this is a super good month to sign up because as a bonus, we re-released last year's Halloween set as an entire throwback. So you get like 100 models this month. Um, good gracious. And it's got all all this super fun stuff, giant disembodied hands and uh, the burlap sack sort of monster guys. And, oh, yeah. yeah, it's this awesome. Guy, right. it's super fun. The
0: burlap, and, the large burlap like, sack. Guy with the claws is like on the top of my print list right now.
1: He has I didn't expect him to be that popular, but he's been the number one most printed model from the set so far, and people have painted him a lot. So uh I'm always surprised at which ones people pick. But the thing that I think is really cool this month, which we'll we have our painter uh Alan painting up and to show off near the end of this month, is we created a modular Franken Dragon. And so like you can kind of see it there in the picture next to the house hand. But that dragon can has, like, five different options each for, like, the head, the arms, the wings, and the tail. And you can make, like, a horrifying Frankenstein monstrosity where you can put whatever you want attached to it. And all the options are magnetized with, like, magnet holes. So you can add your magnets oh, in there yeah. <laughs> and make whatever you want. And I love it. I think it's awesome. Uh, you can see some of the suggestions our patrons put that they want to see, like, the fist head. They were like, we want, <laughs> I, I made one of the options just to be like human arms on its back. And they were like, you should make a human arm tail. So then we made a tail that was just like a big bodybuilder arm. They were like, you should make a head that's a hand. And so <laughs> one of the builds you could do is just all hands. And the stat block's really fun because it can just like grab people and throw them. Or the head can just like flick people and send them flying and stuff like that. It's super fun. That's probably, I think oh that was probably my favorite from the set.
0: I would stand Punch Dragon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Dusky says it takes 132 magnets. Is that that accurate?
1: If you want to get, so there's total, there are 25 uh, modular options plus the body. And then, you know, each option, each one has multiple magnets. Spot so that it can be nice and sturdy so if you want to magnetize every single possible option and the body and everything it's 132 total but if you're just <laughs> going to do one set of <laughs> magnets it's like a fifth of that so gotcha gotcha that's,
2: that's
0: amazing. amazing two packs of magnets just to get this dragon done worth
1: it <laughs> it's actually it's pretty cheap you can get 300 <laughs> magnets one they're one millimeter by three millimeters in size and you can get 300 of them for like seven bucks on amazon
0: Oh, dang,
1: Roger. So yeah, find a friend to print it, and you guys can split it.
0: I don't need to find a friend. <laughs> 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 oh yeah. So we are coming up on time. I could keep chatting with you for another hour, but we are out of time. What do you? What? Okay. So first off, y'all got a great Patreon. Y'all on Tribes. Y'all on my Mini Factory. You've got uh, only games going, so to order prints. What else can uh, you shout out to?
1: I mean, honestly, that's pretty much you pretty much covered all of it. Um, we would love if you guys backed us and supported us. The community is growing, and now's a great time. We're trying to offer as much value as possible. What we have coming up next is, uh, if you follow us on social media, we have a Kickstarter coming up. We don't have an exact launch date yet. It's our first Kickstarter, so we just want to make sure it goes smoothly. So we're kind of getting it approved and everything before we finalize the exact day. But it's going to be a Kickstarter called Chonkers and Chalices. And Ooh. it is all about versions of classic D&D monsters. I think you showed one of the art from our Instagram earlier um, of the big Chonky Beholder. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's going to be mon- sort of boss style monsters like that. You know, very a unique, very character driven monster that each one comes with their own sort of one-shot module for you know braving the dungeon of Brunhildax, the big beholder. Uh, we have a beholder. There's going to be a dragon. There's a bulldog hydra that's super thick and, and chunky. So it's going to be fun, and that's coming up uh, sometime, probably next month. I don't like I said I don't have an exact date, but if you follow us on social media and stuff, you can see when that launches. So yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And you said you might have a shout out for some wanting to grow your team.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, we are currently looking for another concept artist and another sculptor or two. Uh, as far as the concept artist goes, uh, we have creature artists. We need some character artists. So if you're good at, you know, drawing D&D characters, uh, shoot us an email at admin at com. Um, send your portfolio. We'll take a look at it. Um, and then we also need some, the opposite. We need sculptors who can do creatures. It's pretty easy to find sculptors that can do humans really well, but it's surprisingly difficult to find sculptors who can do creature anatomy. Well, the tendency kind of seems to be that like you learn human anatomy, but then when people do creatures, they just sort of make like a human on all fours. When but that's not quite like creature anatomy, you know, we need people who can like really kind of understand it. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're a sculptor and you know creatures, send us your portfolio. And if you're a 2D artist who new characters, send us your portfolio. And then one last shout out. I just want to shout out, uh, give some love to my favorite Patreon out there right now, uh, which is Cobra Mode. I am such a fanboy for Cobra Mode. Everything they put out, I'm just like, oh, it's so cool. I love the stylization and the themes. And like I especially love Asian themes for campaigns and stuff like that and like other Asian stuff. I just like die over. So shout out to Cobra mode, uh, throw some love their way. And yeah, that's all I have. So,
0: for any of our listeners who missed our Cobra Mode interview, it's one of our better ones. You can go find that back in our backlog or over on our website at PrinterGames.com or over on our YouTube channel at YouTube.com param or on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash PrinterGames or Twitter.com slash PrinterGames. Make sure you go check out Dragon Trapper's Lodge. They're awesome. They need more patrons because they need to grow. And I, I need more of their monsters in my life. So make sure that that keeps happening. Space uh, wheels. Space whales? I, I gotta see the space whale. I'm 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 gonna have to just break down and print one of the the big giant chonkers because gosh, those like seeing that snail on your shelf, like how do you I'm gonna run out of shelf. is grab what's it? gonna I happen. Grab it really yeah, quick. bring yeah, grab me grab the snail. It, grab it. Let's bring see me it. the snail! <laughs> I want to see the snail. I'm also
2: super <laughs> excited actually- for four foot spell jammer myself also that's exciting
1: <laughs> holy it cow that's a, big that's it, even
2: bigger than i thought it was
1: holy crap it needs a few it needs a few repairs because when i was transporting it back from Fanex, we had it there at our display booth and it Tipped over in the back of my car, there was a fish hanging off this arm on the front. That was supposed to be like a lure for the snail. I got to glue it back on. A few things broke, but... Oh, here's the fish right here. For our
0: audience listeners, it's taking him two hands to hold it up. The fish itself would be the size of an ogre. The (laughs) entire piece looks like it would eat the USS flag if it was going for it.
1: Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's pretty... This is probably... This actually isn't even the biggest one that we've done as far as lodges go. This is just mm-hmm. the biggest one I have here at my house painted. The and biggest, very one we well did painted. Was... Did you paint these yourself? I, do. I, I don't paint all of them myself, but I did paint this one myself. Yeah, it looks nice.
2: You do not need to show um, us, but does that have playable interiors too?
1: That one does not. It, okay. we just, it was quite a beast to get done in two months. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, playable interiors just didn't happen for that month uh, with the time crunch, but some of them do. The ones we can, I try and do the best I can to get those with playable interiors, but that one doesn't. The biggest one we did was earlier this year in March, I think, and it was like a ginormous sea turtle with basically a whole town on its back, and you could switch out modular options for if you want, like, watchtowers or you know... <laughs> uh, huts and whatever weapons dealers and stuff like that that's the biggest one we've done but i don't have that one so awesome
0: well we appreciate you coming uh we hope that everybody checks out your wonderful creations and that we get to continue seeing more of it until next time i'm jefferson j thacker also known as Param. i'm kristen Sowards,
2: seventh mastery and don't forget to use a screen
1: protector and we'll see you all next time thanks Mm